Welcome to the Testimony Word broadcast from the Cupid's House Chapel International. Our mission is to bring healing, transformation, and meaning to the lives of people in different societies with the good news of Jesus Christ. When you allow yourself to grow in a relationship with Him, you start getting filled up. When you are full of the Spirit, eh, you will be restrained and constrained from doing some things that are not of honest report. God's servant delivers the word of truth with clarity, simplicity, and dexterity. Here is Pastor Francis Aubin proclaiming God's mind to you today. It's really a blessing to read the word of God. Let's read Deuteronomy chapter 26, verse 1 to 11. And it shall be when thou art come into the land which the Lord thy God giveth thee for an inheritance, that thou shalt take of the first of all the fruit of the earth, which thou shalt bring of thy land, that the Lord thy God giveth thee, and shall put it in a basket, and shall go unto the place which the Lord thy God shall choose to place his name there. And thou shalt go unto the priest that shall be in those days, and say unto him, I profess this day unto the Lord thy God, that I am come unto the country which the Lord swore unto our fathers for to give us. And the priest shall take the basket out of thine hand and set it down before the altar of the Lord thy God. And thou shalt speak and say before the Lord thy God, A Syrian ready to perish was my father. And he went down into Egypt and sojourned there with a few and became there a nation, great, mighty, and populous. And the Egyptians evil entreated us, and afflicted us, and laid upon us hard bondage. And when we cried unto the Lord God of our fathers, the Lord heard our voice and looked on our affliction, and our labor and oppression. And the Lord brought us forth out of Egypt with a mighty hand, and with an outstretched arm, and with a great terribleness, and with signs, and with wonders. And he has brought us into this place, and has given us this land, even a land that floweth with milk and honey. And now, behold, I have brought the first fruits of the land, which thou, O Lord, hast given me. And thou shalt set it before the Lord thy God, and worship before the Lord thy God. Verse 11. And thou shalt rejoice in every good thing which the Lord thy God has given unto thee and unto thine house, thou and the Levite and the stranger that is amongst you. Praise the Lord. We're talking about the structure of the first fruit part three. There is something in the book of Revelation that I practice Revelation chapter 1 verse 3. He said, Blessed is he that readeth, and they that hear the words of his prophecy, and keep those things which are written therein, for the time is at hand. So, any time someone reads the Bible in, in totality, there is a blessing. 
But concerning this particular book of Revelation, that I know a lot of people don't read. The Bible says that, <laughs> blessed is he that readeth. That reading the book of Revelation itself on a daily basis is a blessing. That's one of the keys. Every morning, even if I'm lazy, I just go and read one chapter or one small corner like that to take my daily doses of what? Blessings. You really need to pay attention to your covenant. Most of us have become just passerbys in our following of the Lord. But this thing is a serious matter. And there is a, a caveat there. Blessed are those who read. Can we look at it again? Look at it. Oh. Blessed is he that readeth. And then those ones to who hear it. And then the ones who keep it. Reading, hearing, keeping. That's a formula. Reading, hearing, keeping. Read, hear, keep. So if you cannot read. Put it on audio. Just hear it. Now as we are reading, as I'm reading to you now, you're also getting blessed. Then the highest level is when you keep it. Praise the Lord. Tell somebody we have to be serious with this work with God. One more time, one more time, one more time. Tell somebody we have to be serious. Do you know that there's a religion that there is a dedicated time of reading the scriptures to themselves continually and for many of and it's on a daily basis right from when they are kids they gather them and it's king 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 so we can never be tired about something that is very important to our success here on earth this particular service we are going to learn about where the first fruit must be offered and the narration about the first fruit last week we learned about the definition and overview of the first fruit then we also learned about the first time it was practiced and we realized that in genesis chapter 4 it was practiced before the law was given. This is when the people of God had settled on the promised land. And God was instituting for them how they should worship him. So in instituting that, he shows them the kind of oblation they should observe as part of their worship of him in the promised land. Praise the Lord. So now we are in the promised land. Tell somebody we are in the promised land. Is it powerful already? So we are in the promised land. And uh, this particular thing gives us the historical narration of the practice of the first fruit in the promised land. So the first fruit, when they got to the promised land, was supposed to be the basis for the covenant people to worship God in the promised land. Now, if you look at verse number 10, it said, And now, behold, 
I have brought the first fruit of the land, which thou, O Lord, hast given me, and thou shalt set it before the Lord thy God, and worship before the Lord thy God. So here we know that as part of their worship, one of the first things God required of them to bring or to do in the promised land was to bring him the first fruit of that land as part of their worship. And please, let me just say that in their time, they couldn't worship the Lord without things. So you see scriptures like, don't come to me empty-handed. You need to come to me with an offering. They needed to do, there were so many things they had to do as part of their worship. A lot of them were discarded when Jesus died. Just about a few were kept. One of them that was kept, which was in their time down in the shadow, but still it was it was material enough was the communion which they used to call the Passover and that was kept through Jesus himself talking to them told them that as often as you do it and then before he died he gave them communion are you here another thing that was kept it was done before the law. And also the communion was done before the law because the communion was done in Egypt. Before it was instituted as a law in Passover. Are you here? Another thing that was done before the law was a tithe. Abraham gave tithe before Moses came. And for a regular flow of life, when they got to the promised land, the Lord instituted it as a law. Praise the Lord. And that one was also transient, carried through into the New Testament. The first fruit also was also practiced before the law. And a lot of mention is given to it. In the New Testament. Are you here? Are you sure you are here? It's beautiful. So. There are things. That the Lord wanted. His people to continue. Um, performing. As part of their worship. And the first fruit. is one of them. It's a covenant practice. Very powerful covenant practice. When something has to do with covenant, you need to be deeper. Every day you have to be very, very deep about a particular thing. Because your depth determines how beneficial you can appropriate such a principle. The level of your appropriation is determined by your level of depth and understanding. You see that two people are practicing the same covenant, but one gets more because of the depth of their revelation. So we have to keep teaching. And then again, there are people here who are listening for the first time. 
to a teaching on first fruit. And it is the first time either they are hearing it or it's the first time that they are being taught that it's not the same as the tithe. If you are very honest and it's your first time of hearing something like that. Not first time as in today, but this year. Or when you came here is when you heard something like that. Can you wave your hands? Yeah. So, if you are a member here for some time, it might look like, oh, you're tipping. <laughs> but even myself as a pastor, the more I study into it, the more blessed I become. Because every day God is throwing better light on the matter than I saw before. Praise the Lord. And our work with God is on a daily basis. And the light keeps getting bigger and bigger and greater and greater. So if we just decide that, oh, we have preached this thing before. So there's no need to preach about it again. We are going to cause a lot of problems. Because a lot more people must be blessed. And the essence of teaching is to ensure that Faithful men will be able to teach others. Praise the Lord. That a child of God will be equipped with the word of God. And that you will be able to teach other people. That you yourself will be able to teach. So we have to take time. And go through it. And learn systematically. One lady was spoke to a, a particular lady just this week or last week about the first fruit. She's not a member of our church. But when she, the lady took time to break it down to her, she came to give her first fruit last, is it last Wednesday? She said, ah, why have I not heard this? That's there are a lot more people who are willing and obedient, but they have not had the opportunity to be taught. But from the teachings we have been receiving, you see that this is a very important thing for the child of God as far as our work with Christ is concerned. How it's not been really taught and brought to the front line is a major mystery to me. Are you here at all? Because when they go to the promised land, God was very serious on this. And we are going to learn why God was serious on this. On the first, the tithe was not the first thing God wanted them to bring. No. When they got to the promised land, God was very serious on this. And so it was part of their worship in the promised land. And what was the symbolism of this as they got to the promised land? Why was God stressing, emphasizing on the offering of the first fruit as they got to the promised land. Number one, it was because God delivered them from Egypt. Now, if you read the scripture, it says that somebody should come before God, all of them, with the first fruit of the land. And when they come, they should give a particular narration. And this is the narration they should be given. He said in verse 5. Thou shalt speak and say before the Lord thy God. A Syrian ready to perish was my father. 
is tracing it back to Abraham. Are you here? Are we not the seed of Abraham? Galatians chapter 3, right? So, he said, a Syrian ready to perish was my father. And he went down into Egypt, sojourned there, few, but became a nation, great, mighty, and populous. That is how the nation of Israel was formed from Abraham. And he said, the Egyptians took them into bondage. And when they cried unto the Lord, the Lord looked upon the affliction and oppression. And the Lord, in verse 8, and the Lord brought us forth out of Egypt with a mighty hand, with an outstretched arm, with signs and wonders. So here we see that the Lord is asking them to bring the first fruit as part of their worship because he delivered them from Egypt, the bondage of Egypt. He delivered them from the world, from bondage. And Egypt is typical of the world of sin, the world of bondage, the world of lust, the world that we found ourselves in before we knew Christ. Are you here now? The born again experience is a promised land. Egypt is the world outside of the promised land. So when we didn't know the Lord, the Lord never required of us to bring him a first fruit. But when he delivered us out of the world, which is represented here in the narration as Egypt, the Lord said, because you have been delivered from the bondage of sin, bondage of the world, bondage of the power of Satan, you need to bring me your first fruit. The question is, that a Syrian was on his way to hell, going nowhere, and God took him to Egypt, he became mighty, blah, blah, and delivered him from bondage. You and I were on our way to hell. And God sent his son here to die for us and to deliver us from the power of sin so that you and I will have eternal life. After this deliverance, you know, he asks you that every year when you are starting the year, don't spend your first salary or the first profit you make out of your personal business for the month of January, give it to me for delivering you from all manner of troubles, including perishing in hell. Now, the question is, the Bible says, if you gain the whole world and you lose your soul, what did you gain? So, a rich man can go to hell, a poor man can go to hell. The same for heaven. But, we know that there's this guy in Zimbabwe who died recently. Genius. The guy was heavily rich. In fact, he made a village look like Los Angeles. But from the nightclub, as he went to jail small, he died on the road in an accident. I think an accident killed him. He has all kinds of 
cars, watches, sisters, brothers. Like it's a it's a powerful fraternity. The guy was almost like an institution. People have different ideas about the source of his money. I don't know the source of his money, but I know it's possible for people to work so hard to earn that kind of money. Are you here? And if God, if there are people God has blessed, and I'm not talking about him in particular because I don't know him. But it's not every plenty money that is Satan's money. We have to move away from that. When God delivers a man, he prospers the man. And there are people who might not even be born again, whom the Lord will prosper for the sake of a generation. That is why people don't need to be born again. To be rich, you just have to understand the language of money. And so many people in church don't understand the language of money. Hey. So there are people in the, so the Bible says, be wise as serpent. And most unbelievers, look at our brothers, the Muslims. They are also the seed of Abraham. But they don't, they, they, they have not submitted to Jesus Christ. They just see him as some prophet somewhere. They have the money. You don't need to be born again to have the money. Unbelievers have the money. And some unbelievers do some great philanthropism. So many lives. Money is to serve humanity. So people have an understanding in this country. People have money. Oh, you will get some. That amen should be better than it is now. But when this guy died, I mean, they tried to give him some powerful barrier, but that is all. And you can't, even if you bury him with all the monies he had, he will still not be able to spend it. Where he's going, they don't spend money there. So, it is, it is very, very miserable for money to begin to control our faith. Praise the Lord. It's miserable. It's very miserable. When, that's why God said that you can't serve two masters. Money is supposed to be a tool where we express to God our faithfulness. When money becomes the hindrance to the expression of your faith, it's very miserable because the truth of the matter is that if I was teaching this to unbelievers, a lot of them will not have a problem honoring God with the first fruit. A lot of them. And a lot of unbelievers receive more income than believers. A lot. Yes. I've been in the office where somebody who saw me maybe for the first time um, because he was led by somebody to see me and then ministering to the person I realized, look, I wanted to deal the person to Christ, but I saw that the person wanted their solution than my Christ. So somewhere, somehow you still pray that God should have mercy on them and give them the solution and many of them get the solution instantly because God still loves every human being on the face of the earth. 
But not many of them want our Jesus, even though they want the help from our Jesus. So maybe from one encounter, you see the person, if it was sickness, the person would be very healed instantly from that one encounter. And they come with, sometimes they come with a big check. Pastor, thank you for healing me. Whether they are saying I'm the one who healed them or my God who healed them they don't care. In their mind, the same way they would have gone to thank the fetish priest. That's how they are coming to thank the pastor and his spirit. But 99% of the time, I've rejected such a gift because my job in that office is not to be collecting money. My job in that office is to be leading people to Christ. And when I see people who are not interested in my Christ, I'm not interested in their treasure. And it is that rejection that makes people to go high and then they come back to serve our God. But if you are there to gather, 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 ask for the money, I'm just saying that the monies that unbelievers are willing to give us is more than the Christians are willing to give us. So most unbelievers don't have an issue with money. They give when there is a project in town. You look at the kind of people who give the money. When the COVID came, only few churches gave to that coffers. And even in communities. But unbelievers on their own, they just love it. If you say you are doing something for the community right now, you see people that will come out to support. Majority of them will be people who are not part of our faith. They don't have a problem giving money. In church, we have a problem giving money. It's part of the poverty of our spirituality. Poverty of our mind and the poverty of our pocket. May all these three change in Jesus' mighty name. Praise the Lord. All these three, I said, they shall change in Jesus' name. So, he said, I've delivered you from the world. So, give me your first fruit. You are now in light. Give me the first fruit that I have given to you when you entered into my marvelous light. And I think there shouldn't be any argument about that. So, that's the first symbolism. He said, because you people were delivered out of the bondage of Egypt. Number two, why, what was the symbolism of the first fruit when he was instituting it? In Deuteronomy 26, it was to commemorate or to celebrate their deliverance from bondage. First of all, they had been taken out of Egypt. Second, was to commemorate or to celebrate their deliverance from bondage. I have taken you out of Egypt and I have taken you out of the bondage. Remember that in Egypt, they were not only in the place of bondage, but they were beaten as well. They were beaten while they were working. working. They were being killed. Their children were being killed. Male bones were being killed. So it's a celebration out of bondage. And giving the first fruit was to get them to 
come to God to say, Father, I celebrate that you have taken me out of sickness. Bringing the first fruit is to celebrate that God, the same place that people are dying, you are keeping me in this January. Ha! Please collect. Collect, take it. Are you here now? It's to celebrate our deliverance from bondage. There are many things. We are in the same space. Things are happening to people and God is still delivering us. So when we are bringing him our first fruit, we are thanking him. We are celebrating our deliverance. Praise the Lord. From all forms of bondage. It's a celebration. It's what? That's the second symbolism. Number three. Am I taking my time? Are you sure I'm taking my time? It was to honor and remember their deliverer. That's what the narration says. He said that they brought it there to remember that God is the one who brought them out of Egypt with an outstretched arm. With signs and wonders. With terribleness. So, bringing the first fruit when they got to the promised land was to remember that they didn't deliver themselves out of Egypt. That it is God that delivered them out of Egypt. And handing over their first fruit to him was to remember their maker and their deliverer. Praise the Lord. It was to honor him. That's why God said that you honor me with that substance. That And please remember that at least for 30 years, at least, these people were supposed to be in bondage for 400 years. But between 400 and 430, the kind of punishment these people had, it was too much. So at least for 30 years, God, they were enjoying until that time. When God sent and said, let my people go. Trouble. Trouble. And God, they were crying and crying and and God entered there to deliver them. So, giving him the first fruit of a land he had given to them was to honor him that this land that we are sitting on, it is God who swore to our father to give us. And we didn't buy it. He cleared seven nations. He cleared them. Those seven nations, they were just somewhere. God said that my people are coming, leave this place. And gave it to them. They didn't buy it. They didn't fight for it. They didn't even know how to fight. They were just giving us an inheritance. It was not even promised them directly. The land was promised their fathers. Are you here? Is God talking to somebody here? It was a promise to their fathers. They just inherited it. And God just was, it's a privilege. Tell somebody it's a privilege. It's a privilege. If you and I were in the days of Paul, when you read the Bible, see the troubles they went through. You and I, we don't go through that kind of those kind of troubles. They went through those troubles to hand over this faith to us. You and I, we come to church, we do praise and worship. They didn't even have sanctuaries to be doing praise and worship. They were worshiping, they were beating them. 
But we have inherited something that was promised them that they suffered for because they were first generation. And we have come to inherit. Hey. So inheriting this blessing, God says that bring me the first fruit as a sign of honor. That you are honoring me for being the provider. It shouldn't be a problem at all. That we are still enjoying from a promise God gave to Abraham. And he's not blessing us based on our what we did right or we didn't do right. He's just blessing us based on a covenant. Look at Solomon. The guy is, the Bible says he's wise, but the foolishness of that guy is, is, is on parallel. And yet, there were many times God wanted to take the kingdom away from this guy. And he said, but for your father David. Just a boy in a party with Jimmy first class. But God is being merciful to him because of the relationship he has with his fathers. And that's what's happening. That if you look at our mistakes and our laxities in following the Lord, you and I, we don't deserve anything. No. Everything we receive is just a privilege that we have just received. It. The real people who work for it, who deserve it, they are not even here. To collect it. And if you read the book of, I think, Hebrews, it said the people that the promise was given to, they didn't even see the inheritance of it. We know we have come, we have entered into the arrest. <laughs> when we are riding on the privilege of the blessings of God, we begin to misbehave. You know, it's like we have become, we, we begin to have an entitlement mentality. This promise, is it yours? Did you buy it? Do you know how it came by? Do you know the mechanism, the fruit cry you have? When you plant a seed, do you know what happens for that seed to become a fruit? Are you part of the process? You, you just went to sleep. Look at the scripture. Psalm 3 verse 3. Hey! <laughs> Look at Psalm 3 verse 3. But thou, O Lord, art a shield for me. My glory and the lifter up of what? Four and five. Let's just read four. I cried unto the Lord with my voice and he heard me out of his holy hill. Verse five. I laid me down and slept. I awaked for the Lord sustained me. Is there any one of us here who knows when you sleep, how you sleep, and how you wake up? So God just wakes you up. You are sustained. Some of you, you sleep, they chase you in your dream. Oh, when God sees that they are about to cut your head, now he just wakes you up. Why 
God just woke you up, sent you, gave you a job. And he says that at the beginning of the year, do not spend the first month's salary. For the life I have sustained for you, bring it to me to honor me. There shouldn't be an argument to the oxygen in the hospital, it is paid for. Some people die because they, they don't get access to this oxygen that is paid for. Not honoring God as a child of God with the first fruit is a sign of ingratitude. See, you honor me in the promised land. Praise the Lord. So, that's what he asked them to do. Number what? Four? Wow. Alright. It was to give them the opportunity to present the fruit of their labor before God. The previous one we said is to honor the father, the deliverer. Now, this one, they had opportunity to present the fruit of their labor before God. And remember that in those seven nations, the land that God gave them, those people that used to occupy the land, they used to present the fruit of that land to their idols, giving them the honor that they own the land and therefore the fruit belong to them. Are you here? So he said that because I've given you this land, bring the first fruit in a basket to the priest at the time. Because the Bible knew that that priest there, the first priest, will not be the only priest. At some point in time, Pastor Francis will be the priest on ground. So put it in a basket. In our time, the basket is envelope. And bring it. It's an opportunity to present the fruit. That, this is the land you gave us. Look at the fruit the land gave us. It's a privilege. It's an opportunity. An opportunity. Abraham didn't stay there to, to see the fruit of that land. He didn't see much, as much as they saw. He just he went to do pasar, pasar on the land, and then they called him home. But these people came to dwell. Are you here? An opportunity to give God the fruit from the work you do. From your bank. From wherever you work, from the market, the market that God Himself has given you, an opportunity to bring a fruit out of that business and say, God, this is the first one for 2020. This is my first salary collected. That's an opportunity. Anytime I'm talking to my, my grandma who took care of me, no matter the conversation we'll be having, I'll be asking her, Is everything okay? She said, oh, everything is fine. I don't need anything. I said, do you need money? He said, oh, no, 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 no. But, it is always an opportunity. It's not a burden for me. It's a privilege. That after chopping, I remember where my mom was. My mom had accidents and then out of that she became hypertensive. So my mom will cook no salt, no pepper. Then my grandma was staying there with us. She used to work in, 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 as a matron. So I was not eating my mother's food. I was eating with grandma. Because her food, you know, is tasty. 
And when my mom died, she took care of us. It cannot be that she's a burden to me. It can never be. Onumpo eniba. Anytime she asks for two, I double. It's a privilege for me that somebody who fed me in my vulnerability, I'm in a position to feed her now. What a privilege. It is not, it is not, it's just a privilege that we are the children of a Syrian who was, look, look at the narration, a Syrian ready to perish. Ready to what? Now, if you lose track of the ready to perish, you think you are the main thing. Ready to perish. And who is your father? Now, in real natural standards, Kran, who fear near address? Who could come as near address? I bet you are. It's a privilege that the job God gave you, He says, Give me the first fruit every year. He gave you the job. What a privilege. Anytime a lesser entity has an opportunity to give to a superior entity, it's a privilege. It can never be a burden. It's what? How do you feel when you buy a lunch for your boss? Your boss is not poor. Some of us, the activities we do in our offices, they don't directly bring income. They are just embedded in quality. And they still pay us. We don't even know how the company makes the money to pay us. But they still pay you. If your boss, you take your boss to a lunch, or he takes you to a lunch, and you pay a lunch for your boss, how do you feel? Because the man is not poor. The woman is not poor. He has been paying you. In fact, the money cry you are using to pay, no, I ain't give you. Is that not so? Yes. You just came around. And the truth is, and when you are not there, when you are not there, the business was running. When you are gone, it will still be running. You are not indispensable. He gave you the money. You have a privilege of buying a lunchbox for your boss. You, you feel it. This is a privilege. When you are giving downwards, you can have pride for it. But when you are giving upward, it's a privilege that should humble you. That enkanyami wo bebre me kra me dia dia. Or dia dia. Have you seen God's stomach before? What size? We don't measure before God. God is God. We are men. 
we are not on the same plate. What a privilege. God doesn't pray to us. We pray to him. So to give him. Wow. It's a joy. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Most of the time when I have an opportunity to give a seed or so to my pastor, I'm doing it. I say, yes, sir. Thank you, sir. Opportunity. If, I mean, these days, Momo has come. Before, I used to kneel to do that. Momo has come and I'll call and say, sir, please. Um, something, something, something. Thank you for the opportunity. You say you are blessed. I say, thank you. He said, thank you. I say, thank you. Who? Me. One time, I told you now, I took a first tower. I wanted you to get dry quickly. I was going to preach. I put it in my pastor's wife's microwave. I almost destroyed the microwave. Because where I was coming from, there's nothing like microwave. So when I saw that this thing can eat food, can do this, I thought that this thing too, it can dry anything. Today, no nasa me ma me kasa. No say, oh Francis, oh hey, mommy, where are you coming from? Oh, I just went to town. Our microwave is broken down. Let me get me tissa and let me come see. That one too. Me and Anka me say microwave. That's a privilege. It's a privilege. Please stop all these things. God never asked an Amorite to bring a first fruit. Because he didn't deliver them. He didn't give them a land. He never asked a Moabite, an Amalekite. He asked his own people that he had delivered and given lands to. First fruit is not for unbelievers. First fruit is for God's own people. It's a family matter. It's what? It's a family matter. If you are not a child of God, there is no requirement on you. And you can be in a church and not see yourself as a child of God. And also you are fine. But if you reckon that you are God's child and your sustenance comes from him, that requirement is on you. And it can never look big. It shouldn't look big in your eyes. It's a privilege. It's a blessing. Praise the Lord. Clap your hands and bless God. What is the last one? It was to give God an opportunity to put a blessing on this cursed land. Yeah. The lands of the people, they had committed so much abomination on the land. And he gave them the lands. And he's saying that this land that I gave you, look at verse number 14. Verse 14, Deuteronomy 26, 14. Verse 11, please. It says, And thou shalt rejoice in every good thing which the Lord thy God has given unto thee and unto thine house, thou and the Levite and the stranger. You will rejoice of every good thing. Praise the Lord. Verse number 19, or thereabout, the last verse there. Look at this. 
said, and to make thee high above all nations, which he has made in praise, in name, in honor, blah, blah. That's God is blessing his people. He said, you bring the first fruit out of this ground that was dedicated to idols. Bring it. That's why the first sanctifies the rest and causes the blessing to rest on the land. Because the, the whole thing is that this land was defied before you came in. Now I've given you the land and then fruit have come out of the land. You don't have the mechanism to sanctify the land. You give me the first, I will take it and bless you. That's how that land is blessed and every fruit that will come out of it is blessed. So if you read verse 10, verse 10 and 11, it says that when you do this, and now, behold, I have brought the first fruit of the land, which thou, O Lord, hast given me. And thou shalt set it before the Lord thy God, and worship before the Lord thy God. Verse 11. And thou shalt rejoice. It is then and then that you will now have the ability to rejoice in every good thing which the Lord thy God has given unto thee. Or else, you are eating poison. So, your job, that's the promised land. Your business, that's the promised land. Every year has different dynamics for the work we do. True or false? So we don't know what is in there. But when we give God our first, he takes care of the rest of the year for us. When we give him the first to honor him, he now puts the blessing on it. Now you can now rejoice. Why? Because the year has been sanctified. The rest has been sanctified. It's powerful. Praise the Lord. Very, very powerful. So that's the narration. About the first fruit. From here it became an instituted law. For them to follow. The law was like a teacher. Because the people were not mature. If you read the history of the Israelites. They used to flip flop. And now no makosum And now no mosum nyami. And so God says that okay. For you to maintain some consistency. I'll give you a pattern that you should follow. So when the pattern was given. When the practice has, had already been there. You don't say the thing is the law. This is not the law. It was there before the law came. Now before you and I came to church, did we not know that when your father takes you for training, the first salary you give it to your father? Did you learn it in church? We are going to give the first fruit. Me, I'm going to give it till Jesus comes. You two, you should be determined. This thing is a blessing. It's what? It's a blessing. And you will see this year what will happen. This year, you will see what will happen. It is always a blessing when you are a child of God and you are privileged to see in the spirit. It's a privilege. I saw be on so the head that so near pillars and walls and yet 
receive grace to, to, to navigate into the spirit by the help of God. Sometimes I, if I'm maybe taking a walk in my community, I walk past people and I, and I see how devil is destroying them as they are walking on the road. I say, hey, hey. And sometimes God just gives me opportunity to just trace their background. And I realize actually naturally crying sounder than the way I was operating. It's just a privilege that I'm not the one in the bondage. That in a hard gives some people hard one. See, boy, be a coaching we one triple one triple. Yes, yeah, and you know, a funny trip back pass. Get to every number of man. What was she a DBT? No, DBT soakings. Dear Garina, dear Nina. The big cry, yeah, cream, and I just say, Baby, I will be. I say, We in the bomb, baby. I will. And when you're with your frap, well, oh, big or chink it to every. I find it It's just a privilege. Praise the Lord. We are blessed. This year you will see the blessing. That amen didn't come out at all. I said this year you will see the blessing. Shout a louder amen. So I don't want to teach this threatening you. Or the word of God doesn't come to threaten you. It comes to exhort you. To edify you. You are blessed for doing this. God will put a blessing on your land. On your job. And you see that. People will be undermining you, undercutting you. They, don't, they will not know. Something will be neutralizing whatever they bring up. God will be neutralizing. And why? Because from that same job, you have given to the hand of the spirit to maintain it for you. Who is man? Who is man? First fruit eh, is... One of the surest way to enjoy the milk, the honey, and the grapes of the promised land. Enjoying it. The children we have, they are still gifts and fruits. We should be able to enjoy them. Is that also? We should be able to enjoy them. When we follow God, He blesses us. This year, me, I'm up in my game. Praise the Lord. God has blessed me. And I believe he has blessed you as well. Yeah, We are blessed. We are blessed. We are blessed. And it's, first fruit makes you know. Makes you make God know that you appreciate him. For who he has made you. It's a blessing. Please let's rise. The clapping to his frill.
Hallelujah. Lift your hands and say, Father, I thank you for the blessing of serving you. One more time. Say, Father, I am grateful unto you for the privilege of knowing you. Praise the Lord. Clap your hands one more time. You have been listening to the Testimony Word broadcast from the Keeper's House Chapel International. Locate us at Madina Estate, Accra, off the social welfare road between the Gulf Lane Station and Wawan Washing Bay. Follow us on Facebook at the Keeper's House Chapel International. Podcast and audio rima at Reverend Francis Auburn. Visit our website at www.keepershousechapel.org. One word. For further information, call 0244-177-831 or 0204-916-168. Experiencing Jesus, Bethany Ministries.